And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain For now it's time to go But hey, I say, well that's okay I'll see you very soon, I know Hello, <clears throat> thank you for coming. I'm still a little out of it and I didn't write anything, but uh, I'm good on the fly. So when I found out the news, um, I had plans to go to the beach with the lovely local lady in Thailand. And uh, at this point, everyone was kind of sleeping because it was you know, early in the morning. And I thought, you know, get out of your head go to the beach, have fun, and you know, don't just sit in your room and, and do that. So I go there, and I felt really bad for, for my lady friend because you know, I was just looking at the sky, pounding you know, cheap Thai beer, Chang, it's terrible. And I was just thinking, you know, I've done a lot of crazy stuff, I've done a lot of dumb stuff, but I've done it my way, and I've really tried living to the fullest, and through the whole time, Phil was always there. And I remember in high school, I was even more crazier than I am now. And they sent me down to Arizona to live with them in the trailer. And uh, we bonded a lot there, but I was happy to get out of there. They got, I needed some space. And, uh, but the dude would go to everything. Everywhere I went, like he would show up to practices on a, on a lawn chair, and <laughs> you know, like my dad said, I was never embarrassed. I thought it was super cool. <laughs> and then I would always hear about these stories he'd tell at like Dakota, and he made me some like superhero, and he said some crazy stuff. And <sighs> anyways, I had to get, I had to speak. You know, I was with someone. And I said, I'm gonna get on my head. I'm gonna enjoy the moment. And I'll, I can't fix nothing, it is what it is, and just, you know, enjoy. Like, Phil would want me to enjoy where I am and what I'm doing. And uh, so we finished up on the beach. Uh, we went back to her place. It was a penthouse. It was overlooking the beach. She had the pool table in there. She had a pool on the rooftop. I was like, damn, you know, this is, this is nice. And uh, we kept drinking. Some other activities uh, happened. Sorry, Jesus. By the end of the night, um, I went up to the pool, you know, that overlooked the bay, and I was smoking a cigarette. And it hit me. I was like, where's the fine line between selfishness and living to the fullest? And I knew right then and there I had to get back. And when I was looking... And not necessarily just for Phil, because I think you would have been happy either decision I made, but for my family. So I was seeing the messages and on Facebook, and they're all getting together, and, and that's, that's something that I think it just hit me. You know, I need to find that balance between living crazy and, and not being selfish, because these people are the reason I'm able to live crazy. They've supported me. They've been there for me. They've done all these different things for me. And... Uh, yeah, I just, I want to thank Phil for kind of slapping me in the face and then for what he's done to the family because I think we are definitely more close after this. So, thank you. My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much 
more than this. Hello, hello, long time no speak. I apologize for the listeners that like to listen to me and not watch my pretty face on the, <laughs> the vlogs. This past month, I've been trying to just knock out vlogs and, and making that YouTube work, and I've actually gotten a lot of uh, good things happen from it. The channel is moving. I'm quite excited for 2023, but most importantly, it's fun. It's an extremely good creative outlet. I view it as this is what I'm going to you know, pass down to my children, or it's going to reach the eyes of someone that needs to hear it. You know, I'm not just trying to do travel content. I want messages in there that can relate to anybody. Um, obviously, I, I want it bold, and that is definitely something I've really tried to do this past year. Um, I think for the first couple years of bold perceptions, it still wasn't, you know, politically correct or, you know, easy go happy. Obviously, I want to focus on positivity, but many things have happened to me and I've seen a lot more, done a lot more, experienced a lot more. And I think uh, the message resonates more when it's totally, completely raw and real. You know, the negatives, the positives, um, hopefully I try to make it uh, optimistic at the end of the day. But um, as you probably noticed this last year, I've kind of not held back. And I came to that conclusion because, you know, you got one life, okay? And that's cliche as it gets, but nobody really cares what you are doing. The only time they do care about you is the people that actually get something from it, that like it, that love it. The people that don't like it, they don't care. And once they start voicing that they don't care, those people, by that time you've blown up big time because then you have that 1% that feels they need to come at you when 99% of the people are supporting you. So, I mean, that's a, just a great observation for anyone that wants to put themselves out there. I've been fortunate enough to do it my whole life. As for the internet, not necessarily to, to this level, but it's been wonderful. In this episode, obviously... I did a little clickbait, <laughs> the title, and also I might put a little intro in here that could quite sum up uh, what I'm about to speak about. And I'm going to get to it, but first, I'm going to kind of recap that 2022. Currently, I'm sitting in Cambodia. It's January 1st. I didn't go out the night before. My buddy, Russian man I've been hanging out with the past like three weeks in Cambodia, showed me and told me that it was... Uh, you know, quite the experience here in Seam Reap on uh, the infamous pub street. But I had been going for, you know, way too long and way too hard, especially in Cambodia. And we did all the temple tours last couple of days, which was quite interesting. And I passed out, so I missed it. But uh, now I'm a little refreshed. Now I'm going to have a little glass of wine, talk about this past year, talk about what's going to happen this next year. I'm going to do it through kind of where I've been in 2022. So I finished up my uh, Brazilian adventure for the month of uh, January last year, came back to the States, uh, stopped in Scottsdale and uh, Las Vegas, uh, Brazil. So here's what I'm going to do. Each place, I'm going to try to think of a, a good message and, and my thoughts on it, and I want you to take something from it. Man, Brazil was Candyland. That place was definitely to the extreme and I was kind of in a little safety bubble in Florianapolis but uh the way you feel alive in South America and in Brazil um it was really neat and obviously getting that gringo treatment you know the white skin the blue eyes it is fascinating uh but the Brazilian people really showed me that that warmth that energy Obviously, the beach is there. I mean, it was so lovely. I met a handful of good people that I'm still in contact with um, a year past. Um, I will definitely be returning to Brazil. I think every dude especially needs to go there and experience what that is like. I think, uh, you know, the crime and all that kind of stuff has gotten blown out of proportion. Obviously, you just can't be dumb, right? I definitely think the biggest message from Brazil it's people that have so little can make it so much and enjoy life to the fullest. That energy, that Brazilian energy, 
all the shit and crime and BS that that uh, country has gone through throughout its history. And for them to keep smiling, keep making themselves the life of the party, that is something I very, very much took and respected from Brazil. But anyways, flew back into the States and I was sick as a dog. I felt bad for my buddy Cody because... Um, I passed out in his bed for like two days straight. Um, like I was soaking the bed with sweat and I don't know what I had, but it wasn't uh, good, but spent a, a beautiful time with uh, the family. Did some skydiving. Oh man, that skydiving was an adventure down in Arizona. That did get that heart racing. I remember going up there and some dude's like, it's better than meth. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's what gets your rocks off. But I was going up there and I was like, oh, this is... You know, this is gonna this is gonna be intense, and then you you jump out of that thing, and I don't know, you kind of like fall a little bit because you're attached, but you kind of move a little bit how it's set up, and you're like, holy shit! And about like uh, when they put the parachute up, and we're cruising down, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's time to time to get back down there. I think I'll do it again, but um, oh my god, that adrenaline, that uh, feeling of being alive, and I think that theme is gonna come more so throughout this podcast because that's the feeling i think everyone deep down chases um you can't let it really consume you but if you you know be stagnant and you know you sit in comfort um i think for the most part people that's when you get depressed and especially me i'm a caged lion and uh, that has been a theme definitely my whole life but the theme of uh, 2022 so yeah then i went to poland oh my god i'm so happy I did that. Obviously, some of you know my part-time uh, profession is being a professional athlete, mostly in Europe playing American football. And man, the ups and downs were fascinating relating to uh, football. I, I love it. Lots of drama at the start, lots of pointing fingers, bitching, and and then the big dogs come out on top, won the championship. Um, you know, it got to the point where I threw an interception. After a four-hour rain delay, too, you know, we're balling out and threw for the most yards that game than I did the whole season. And uh, four minutes left, I threw an interception. This is after, in the second half, you know, we got to the goal line multiple times, couldn't fit it in. And at this point, we're down 20 to 14 with four minutes to go. Threw a pick. Oh, my God, the sideline was all ready to send Nikki packing. <laughs> Let's just say that. And uh, luckily, our defense, led by Mr. Alvin Reels, my roommate, for six months, beautiful, beautiful time with him. Uh, they made a stop, got us the ball back with two minutes, and you know I had to do a little Brady magic. And winning that was amazing because we were the big, heavy underdogs. Um, all the kind of drama between me, the organization, the team, more specifically at the beginning of the year, you know, winning that championship feels pretty good. But uh, Poland as a whole, man, I have so many good things to say about Poland. It's probably the safest place I've ever felt. Um, obviously, the Polish people, when you get to know them, are beautiful, wonderful. The cost of living just shocks you. I mean, for I've said it many times, but for a place that is that, uh, you know, cheap, for it to be that safe, truly remarkable. Uh, clean. I mean, just uh, I had a wonderful time. Obviously, the weather is not fun there necessarily. That's my big, uh, you know, narc. But uh, yeah, just diving into that Eastern Euro culture, that Slavic culture. Of course, the woman. I've always had a little sweet tooth for the Slavic girls, and I definitely got many cavities <laughs> living there. But I met some beautiful, amazing women, and I had some experiences that really uh you know got my heart feeling good see that's the thing you guys some people think that uh, i'm just some um, playboy you know international man of mystery playboy but no i'm not i need emotion i need that uh, connection you know my zodiac is a cancer sign and uh, i assume you lovely ladies are listening right now and uh yeah i think just um the slavic woman you know it's hard to crack but once you crack they're just so so good to you and it left uh, a big mark on my heart you know obviously i had a very emotional relationship in italia which was another magical experience 
fall in love in uh, Italy with uh, an Italian girl doing the La Dolce Vita summer. But, um, you know, the Slavic woman are probably at the top of my list. So, yeah, Poland. Oh, my God. Um, I'm so happy. So grateful. I went there. I think another big thing I got from Poland, which was fascinating for me, was the, the Polish man, the iceberg. They don't show any emotions, but a lot were pussy. And uh, don't take offense if you're listening to this, but their lack of communication and holding that emotion in, and then they go kind of cry on the sidelines with their friends or behind people's back. I just didn't like, I, I viewed the, the Slavic dudes as strong people, but um, I think a lot of the times that's uh, overhyped. And what I learned is attacking, of course, problems face on, dealing with the BS, being able to take it thrown in your face, not crying about it, and leading people. That's what you need to do. You need to be able to take the shit storm. That's what people are, are looking for. I think it's a metaphor for life, for anyone that wants to do stuff. You need to take the BS from the public, from your teammates, from your classmates, your peers, because they're testing you. They're going to see if you're really about that life, okay? And then once you beat it, once you take everything they got at you and you don't fold, then they foul. That is the key. So don't be a little wimp and take take it attack problems head on and you will come out victorious yes there were times i'm sure you knew when i bit off more than i could chew but through it all when there Next up, uh, I went to Spain for about a month and met with a, a wonderful family for the second year in a row doing the little Mallorca trip. I also was in the Canary Islands first with my mother, and that's special. Obviously, when you don't see your family for you know most of the year, um, to do that kind of trip and you know both be in the flow of things and not back home and you know that kind of freedom feeling. Uh, we had a fantastic, fantastic time. Canary Islands, we stayed in the touristy area in uh, Tenafry. So, you know, it was a lot of British people, and but it was good. I was with my mother, you know, so we did all the little activities and hung out a lot. She gave me my space when I needed it, which is a big thing for me. I need to be <laughs> alone, you know, a decent amount of time, and I'm not really uh, a person that needs someone by their side 24-7. But yeah, Spain is Spain. Obviously, I always go back to that Anthony Bourdain quote. Any reasonable sentient person who looks to Spain, comes to Spain, eats in Spain, drinks in Spain, they're going to fall in love. Otherwise, there is something deeply wrong with you. I definitely agree, especially um, my work with the, the Danish family that I've done. We've, you know, did the local stuff and, you know, had those great dinners and uh, the place we stayed in was more a, a cool local vibe, not extremely touristy in Mallorca, but also my time going through the Spanish coast last summer and hitting, you know, uh, the off the beaten path cities and meeting, you know, beautiful, amazing Spanish people. Obviously, Italy's got the place in my heart, but Spain, of course, like, you're not going to not have a beautiful time in Spain. I think a big message of my Spanish adventures with family and close friends was being around people that accept who you are they don't try to push it down um i love being with that danish family even with their kids they let me be me they kind of poke fun at it but they appreciate it and i just think that's uh so amazing when you're with people that you can you know feel you can just be yourself you know as cliche as it gets i think so many relationships aren't like that we try to put the mask on, which I'll get to later in this episode. 
but when you can really take that mask off with people and they not only accept it, but encourage it, have fun with it, that is so beautiful. So bonita, <laughs> Spanish. After that, I uh, stopped back in uh, Poland because, you know, I was very, very attached. And, uh, you know, I did that thing. Again, I had to say goodbyes. And I went to Albania. And this was not on my plan this past year, but I never really go with plans. But I found a great deal. And um, I was seeing a lot of stuff online, especially in the nomad space, about uh, the Albanian Riviera because, you know, this summer... A lot of people packed the Mediterranean um, because it was the first year after the last couple of years that people were getting back to Europe for the summer, basically. And uh, found a great deal, had good reviews. And I'm like, you know what? Let's fly into Tirana, take the bus down to Sarande and, you know, chill there for a month. And it was great. It, it really did feel like Greece. The Albanian people are very nice people. It's very hard to date there, which is my problem because I think we'll get to it later on. But I need like that feminine energy and, you know, that vibe and, you know, those beautiful experiences. Um, the Albanian men have a grip on their woman. It is quite fascinating. But, you know, I felt totally safe. Um, even when you walk around, it looks kind of sketchy. And Albania is not that well off. I'm positive the mafia totally runs it and the mafia outside the Albanian mafia outside of Albania is super, super powerful. I think they got a real grip on some uh, drug trades going around, and, you know, they're not to be messed with. Um, but Tirana, when I first went there, I'm like, Jesus, this place is, you know, I started getting more into the, the poverty-type places, and we'll get to that later in Southeast Asia. But it's just sad. Um, it's very fascinating how people don't do something about it. And just kind of live in it and how it was normal. So yeah, Tirana, besides the food, oh my god, the food was fantastic. Very like Italian, but for a fourth of the price, basically. Great, great food. And the people were nice. I mean, the people weren't, you know, bad to me at all. Just wasn't necessarily my vibe. Uh, but Saranda, the coast was uh, fabulous. The family, um, it's like a four-story place. I got the whole bottom floor to myself. They have like a bed and breakfast and a cafe on top. Uh, great people. Highly recommend them. If you want to go to the Albanian Riviera, let me know. I'll put you there. Uh, I had a friend fly in, which was great. Um, we had a blast. But other than that, you know, I was just solo dolo. Got a lot of work done, which is fantastic. Um, you know, on the coast, I just spent a lot of time, you know, on the water. And their beaches are rocky, right? Not necessarily great beaches, but the water's clear. Adriatic, the South Adriatic, which isn't terrible. It's not a lot of good history, you know, Roman stuff. And I don't really know the message I learned from Albania. Actually, I do. It's probably that I need a woman in my life. <laughs> and uh, I definitely felt that, like, that destination was someone you go with, with, like, a, a girlfriend or, or something like that. So, but it was beautiful. Actually, I think the message from there was multi-generational living. I thought it was so cool how the grandparents lived there they helped uh you know the kids kind of they were cooking while the father ran the airbnb his other businesses they had a cafe up top all their old friends would come by they play chess uh the kids were so nice i think their mother is american so they spoke great english but even they would help out with the the bread, bed and breakfast the airbnb um the kids uh, i played basketball with um the younger dude he took me around he had like a little friend group and then the little daughter was hilarious she was like eight years old but she was so funny and every time i'd go uh, out at night i'd see her and her friends playing like hide and seek and like 15 you know kids and just the community right that everyone knew everyone and safety and i think that's really cool you know obviously in the usa we stick our grandparents in uh retirement homes and um you know seeing what a lot of Southern Europeans do, I saw a lot in Italy, is you know, they live all in like the same building, but they all like are productive. And I think it keeps the older people alive, happy. And, um, you know, you get that family vibe, but you're separated. So you're staying on different levels. Um, so you're not intrusive. But, you know, how important family is. I think that's probably the big lesson I got was, damn, 
family really is all we got if we're lucky because <laughs> a lot of people aren't lucky so that's my message from albania Regrets. i've had a few but then again too few to mention i did what i had to do saw it through without exemption uh, then I went back to Poland again. Look at me, the lover boy. Stayed there for like two weeks. Um, stayed with my lovely, lovely little princess. And it was great. But, um, you know, after a week, I felt like a cage lion. Obviously, the weather was getting colder. And uh, this kind of goes into the womanizing part. And I don't know. I think deep down, every dude knows what I'm talking about. And... I think I just say it, and actually I know for a fact a lot of girls understand it because I have these conversations with them, but hold on, we're going to get to it. Uh, so then I went to Thailand, finally. I've been wanting to go to Thailand for so long because I love Thai massage so much, and I heard the beaches are great, the food's great. Obviously, you get that white man treatment too, I've heard, you know, the, the dorky white guys go over there and, you know, they're in heaven and... So I'm like, I got to go. You know, this sounds amazing. And Phuket was, man, Phuket was very, very good. Uh, beaches, fantastic. Massage shops everywhere. A lot of them kind of shady, which is the only part that sucks. But you're getting, you know, very good Thai massages for, um, what, six, ten bucks. Like professional ones. Obviously, the street food, fantastic. Two dollars a plate and you're full crazy because i was staying in patang so i got a lot of that bangola road it's famous bananas bananas um saw a lot of stuff and i kind of mentioned one of the vlogs you know my perception of asian people growing up in the west seeing them in europe like more clean cut right hard working uh not obnoxious they stay out the way <laughs> and in southeast asia um, in Phuket, and then now I've been in Cambodia. Holy shit, totally opposite. Still, actually, I, I would say cold too. I used to think they were cold. Here, oh my god, lively, amazing, but you know, like the flip end. I mean, yeah, they're working very hard for nothing, for pennies, which is quite sad, but it's chaotic, it's dirty, it's crazy, it's debauchery. And of course, Batang is like that, you know. I know you go outside and there's a lot of conservative places in Thailand and Cambodia, but I mean, geez, some things, you know, I went to the ping pong show. If you've heard of that, I'm just like, I'd never seen something like that in person. I mean, that was wild. Right. But then some other things I saw just made me, you know, kind of grossed out. Luckily I was able to explore more, go up North at Bangtao, Kamala beach. I was planning on doing the whole Island, but unfortunately I had, uh, Take a 36-hour transit back to the United States for a funeral. My grandpa died. And I don't know if I put that speech at the, at the beginning, but if I did, you heard it. <laughs> I think that honors him quite well. I wasn't planning on speaking, but I had to do it. And I think he was smiling from above. And, yeah, I'll get into that. So that basically obviously hit me quite hard. He's been very supportive. He's quite a character. And uh, I think, you know, losing him, even though I've been gone for the past, like, what, fuck, six, five years? Especially when I was in Colorado, too. Yeah, at least. So I definitely haven't spent, you know, much time with him. Only when I went back to Minnesota. Um, yeah, like anyone knows, when you got close death, it makes you wake up a little more and, you know, keep taking life by the horns and, you know, actually living to the fullest, which is something I've been thankful I've done my whole life, especially when I really started traveling. I mean, I have no regrets and I've basically seen it all, done it all, felt it all. And uh, I know my grandpa was happy for that, even though we didn't get to spend as much time. But I think after that, too, I'm just similar to when I was locked down in, in Italy for the, you know what, you know, like a month in that lockdown, I'm like, I'm never taking this thing for granted no more. And I'm going to, you know, take my life and take the world by its horns and, you know, go crazy. But 
that's kind of what hit me too when I was back for the week doing the funeral. And that was interesting. Like I just, and I was in Thailand. I'm like, and we knew it was coming, you know? I mean, I, I didn't think he was going to stay alive forever. But I wasn't like, I don't know, I just felt like it was, oh, it was, it was bound to happen. And, you know, I questioned if I should stay or not. And obviously I made the decision 36 hours to go back because maybe you have to. And I'm, I'm very glad I did. But I remember when I got there um, and doing the whole funeral process, and it hits you. Of course, it really hits you. When you see him dead in that casket, I mean, but I mean, I think that's been a big theme of this this year for me, especially the the taking the boldness uh, to the next level. And I don't want regrets. I really, really don't. And I know when I do this, it inspires a lot of people. And uh, they've told me, they've came to me, they've started their own things. They, I've done the consulting with them. Um, I've seen things happen in their life. And Again, I'm starting to view this as, okay, this is what I'm going to pass down to my kid. After this, I'm going to show them, I'll get all this stuff and, you know, go through this and, you know, maybe cover your ears on some points, but like I'm putting all these experiences, all these moments, all this audio, you know, for him to uh, indulge in, especially, I mean, shit, what if I go, you know, knock on wood, if that's the case, then it's for all you people, a memory of me and um, yeah, I'm doing this of course, for myself to, you know, have all this saved. But for the times people come to me and say, wow, it made a difference. And that is obviously more worthwhile than than anything. So, yeah, obviously that uh, affected me a lot. But I think it played off the, the theme of the year. And, of course, as well, as I kind of hinted towards it after Albania, is the importance of family. And that is something that is very hard to do when you're trying to live the life to the fullest keeping the balance you know not making them disappointed not uh spending time with them um after seeing my grandpa in the casket that for sure hit me is how do i you know keep doing this this life but also you know really cherish really appreciate my family and uh I'll find those answers soon. Luckily, I have a quite a good relationship with my immediate family. I need to make it better, and I also need to make it better with my extended family. Um, it's just tough, you know, because I think when you go back, it's the same old, same old after a week. I'm not saying that's bad, but you don't appreciate shit. You really don't unless you're away. And when I come back, oh, Nick is back. Oh, I want to see you. You know, this and that. And I'm excited to see them. And and then life goes on, you know. So how do you spice it up? It's the big question before it's too late. Um, I did do this. And I mix it in every once in a while. I have a little group chat with my family. And uh, each day you say, hey, what are you grateful for? And you try to make it unique. Not, oh, I'm grateful for my health. No, you say something about your day. So then people can be like, oh, wow. You know, I'll start a conversation off that. I think I'm going to get back on that more, you know, because it's just, it's meaningful. It's not just the same old blase, blase, but definitely, you know, when you're, someone you're close to dies, you got to look at things a little differently and, and figure out how you can take the most out of this time because, of course, it goes. The time definitely goes. I plan. Each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. So I sat there for a week and I was on the road again. I went uh, to Cambodia, and man, Cambodia has been a total shock. Uh, the capital, Pompeii, um, skyscrapers everywhere. Go watch the vlogs. Go check them out. Um, but like similar to Thailand, the white man thing is is quite interesting. Even more crazy than Brazil and Mexico. I go into it a lot in, in the vlogs. So it's been nice to feel what it feels like to be like a, a model in the West as a woman, basically. Um, it's extreme abundance. When you have the extreme abundance outcomes you are totally independent from, I think that is like the stoic master way of life is when you just don't care about the outcome. 
anymore. This is going to go into the womanizing topic. But also Cambodia, man, seeing extreme poverty is eye-opening. I mean, I've seen a little before, especially in Mexico, especially in Brazil. But here it's a lot more prevalent. And it really makes you appreciate things, of course, how cliche that is. But uh, what's really inspiring, you know, I went through some slum villages off the beaten path. And, you know, the kids are so happy and smiling and they weren't asking for anything. Just hello, hello. And it was really neat. You know, I, I definitely I've said it many times before. The happiness is so relative. I mean, these kids were playing with uh garbage playing soccer in a dirt field with garbage everywhere they're all smiling and giggling and and having a blast and and it just reminded me like my childhood you know playing in the woods obviously it was a little more cleaner but it was the same thing and these kids don't know any different nowadays i think they might with uh the cell phone of course because then you can see what what is all going on and that affects you know everyone so the person that's living just a normal good life in the usa suburbs is seeing everyone on instagram and uh you know the bahamas or you know the crazy parties in miami and so you're exposed to that then you start you know comparing and it's the worst thing you could possibly do but um i've definitely known noticed that in my life doing the traveling doing the womanizing is, you know, obviously things you thought would make you happy after a while, they don't, okay? Hedonism is for sure not the answer. And I've always known that, okay? But I definitely think you have to do this stuff to understand it. People can tell you all you want and, oh, you know, and you can read it in books and see it in movies. But if you don't experience it, it's always going to be in the back of your head, okay? And then it's going to make you resentful of the life you live now, of the partner you are with. Because... You're going to always think, okay, but is the grass greener? You know, should I have done that? Um, You're not going to take for granted or be grateful for, wow, you know, I have a beautiful job. You know, I'm ahead of my bills, a nice house. I'm going to raise a family. They're playing, you know, ball. Like, I don't have much stress. Um, You know, oh, the suburbs are nice. They are safe and I can eat good food. Like, (laughs) you don't view it like that if you've never done all the crazy extreme things um on the flip end like me i think it's gonna be quite difficult to settle down i mean i can feel it now like obviously i don't have as much crazy energies before i mean i didn't even go out on new year's eve i've done that the last two years i didn't go in brazil i didn't go out here either one because i'm like okay my life is basically new year's eve whenever i want and two um it's usually you know I don't know. It's not my vibe. I'm not like a club party animal guy. And then everyone, their mother is out there. The lines are long. Um, but the point is, um, I've known this doesn't lead to happiness. Uh, you know, over the course of this last year, I really realized that relationships obviously are, are paramount to happiness, creating or building and uh, doing something productive is huge that's why i can't not play football because it gets me off a clear-cut answer like win or lose you know working with guys building relationships going to war that feeling like i can't give that up because nothing else quite gets me off like that and uh, i think that's for a lot of people especially athletes it's the only thing that like really replicates survival of the fit you know i'm not in no war um uh, i think sports are like the inner caveman in us but the point is, um, if you don't do shit, you're going to always in the back of your head think about it. And that is not going to make you be able to uh, sit in w- with what you have and be happy and, and not take it for granted. I mean, when you see the things I've seen, you're like, damn, you know, a nice cozy home and in the suburbs with a wife I can kind of put up with and, you know, some kids like, yeah, it's great. You know, I could tell them all these stories like I've done it. I don't need to do anything more. Right. So yeah, kind of wrapping up that Cambodia thing. Cambodia has been amazing. The people have been beautiful. I haven't had any issues with uh, safety. Cost of living is freaking fantastic. Cambodian woman, you know, decent. I mean, not crazy, but uh, good. I met, I've had actually some beautiful relationships. One, with no sexual <laughs> things going on, just became really good friends. 
little socialite. She plugged me in with all her friends, which was nice. But uh, yeah, I hope we stay in contact. Good girl. Nice girl. Uh, oh, and I met some dudes, actually, which is something I really wanted to do this year was meet more dudes while traveling and, you know, create good relationships. These two Russian guys been fantastic. One came with me to Seam Reap, and we've been chilling here for like, shit, almost 10 days now. And it's uh, beautiful. Like, that dude just started doing his solo traveling. He's 21. You know, learning about Russian culture is great for me. I'm kind of showing the ropes about, you know, how to do this kind of lifestyle. Uh, we're trying to make plans for me to come to Moscow, like in the summer. Something I've always wanted to do is see Moscow, St. Petersburg. And that kind of goes back to the theme of relationships. Um, you know, I think that's something I've definitely tried making a priority this year. I had a good friend that I'm still in contact with from Brazil. Um, you know, my roommates, Elvin, still talk to him a lot. Keep in touch with a lot of dudes on that uh, Polish football team. Um, of course, I had some amazing, beautiful relationships with a woman and that uh, a handful of them have continued, which uh, is good. Obviously, they come and they go when you live this lifestyle. We're going to get into it. Trust me. Um, I got to see that uh, Danish family again. Obviously, my my family, my grandpa passing was, you know, important. Uh, I met some crazy military man in Thailand and the Russians in Cambodia. Oh, Cambodia too. I met a really good dude that uh, was gonna. It's gonna be nice for business. But uh, yeah, that's something that maybe I've kind of neglected in the past. You know, I have my people back home, and I'm not a person that needs people, but they do make experiences really nice. And you know, just it's good. I think uh, everyone you gotta definitely care about your relationships, communicate good. Um, you know, you only can be a lone wolf, Jesus, you only can be a lone wolf for so long. And trust me, I'm one of the most solo dolo on my own type of people, but you need people and just, uh, you know, seeing them smile and then, you know, the little things, it's just great. It's beautiful. It really, really is. So Cambodia, um, not sure if I'll go back. We'll see after Chiang Mai. I'm going back to Thailand in a couple of days. And then maybe if I like Thailand the most, I'll probably just chill in Thailand. But Cambodia's on the up and coming, for sure. I've had a beautiful time here. And uh, saw the Angkor Wat stuff. You know, they got freaking 30 temples around here. The Khmer Empire was big dog status about a 1,000 years ago, which is fascinating. Met this Italian girl uh, on our little temple tour yesterday. And obviously, I love meeting Italians. I lived in Italy for two years. And we were shooting the shit. We're like, well, I told her, I'm like, you know, the Pantheon is a thousand years older than this temple. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, this looks prehistoric and super old. And you look at the Pantheon, it's a freaking beautiful building still standing that looks amazing. Built a thousand years before the Angkor Wat stuff. I mean, that is mind boggling. Oh, another fact, too, was when the Angkor Wat was building, Venice was like at their peak, the Republic of Venice, basically. So think of like Venetian, you know, amazingness. And then Anchor Watch is getting built. I mean, human development, cultural development is just trippy to me. You know, I, I, I felt this obviously being in Italy and then um, I was in Italy. Then I went to Mexico for the winter and then back to Italy. You know, the Mayan stuff, again, thousand years after like, you know, when Rome uh, first went into being an empire, right? I mean, how advanced some cultures are compared to others. Oh, I was in, fuck, I was in Norway, too, uh, during the summer. I went to Lillehammer, and so I, you know, did some ancestral blood stuff because I have Viking blood in me. And I was looking at a Viking village from, like, 1300s to 1700s. I'm like, you're telling me my ancestors lived in this in 2,000 years, basically, before you know, 1,500, 1,000, 2,000, depends on, you know, what age of the Republic or the Empire you're talking about. They're living how they did down in the South. I mean, Jesus, put things into perspective like crazy. That's something, too, I haven't really got into, obviously, this year. I've always been a history kind of nut, but just learning from the past is really fascinating. Because I think now, especially, we just, we think, all oh, these people were so stupid back then, and what do they know? And they did things this way. But in a lot of ways, I think they were more advanced than some things we do. Obviously, technologically, we are as extreme as it's ever been. But 
you know, philosophy, philosophy, uh, way of life, spirituality. There's no doubt in my mind that some of those cultures from the past were definitely more advanced than, you know, what we are now. Okay, so the topic of the day. My retiring from the womanizing. I've loved, I've laughed and cried, I've had my fill, my share of losing, and now as tears subside, I find it all so amusing. Man, this last year has been a roller coaster. Being in the far east of Poland, Poland especially is in love with the American dream, Americans. You're, it's one of the countries that loves Americans the most. Obviously, Slavic women are some of the most beautiful, amazing women in the world. Um, so those factors, you know, being in a town that doesn't have many tourists either in the far east, you're kind of a, a hot topic and man i had a blast i really did you gotta remember too these women a lot of them are you know from villages then they go to school in bialystok so it's not like uh, you know this is traditional slavic woman and that is something that uh you know, i've have definitely experiences with traditional type woman but to get like the the 50s feel was beautiful it really was it made my heart full and um yeah i think uh, the relationships i built there i i really cherished them uh, before obviously poland was in brazil and that was just a total debauchery uh, even though i really like the brazilian woman they are very very sexy the language barrier was obviously difficult for the most part and you know after a while of course like sex is empty if you have empty sex so much you're gonna feel hollow inside that's why for me especially this past year i've been like hey look i'm a man you're a girl i think you're attractive so of course you know i hope i plan <laughs> to have some sexual relationships with you but i need to feel something okay i need emotions i can't just do it you know freaky nasty stuff anymore which i can you know I, I need it like that's like a good switch up for people but you know the best sex the best uh you know feelings when you care about people and you're connected and that's when you have the best sex 100 percent. so brazil by the end of it i was like okay this is too much this is too crazy i've done everything i've ever wanted to do um <laughs> It, I it just it was a good eye-opening experience not saying I didn't necessarily kind of had that before but Brazil when you deal with that amount of women that are that uh you know attractive it's very interesting very very um you know eye-opening it's similar like I've kind of spoken to some before is models have been lucky enough to have good relationships with uh, a handful of models and obviously growing up you view the model as oh she's you know wow that's so pretty and the best and and then once you do it you realize for the most part that uh it was not that special that a lot of times they are really really messed up in the head sadly because of uh kind of living in a world that is quite delusional but also based on your outside appearance and i think it just really warps your reality and makes you very uh self-conscious insecure so many different things or like just out of touch with like normal communication and relationships but i think every dude's got to do it it's a fantastic ref reference point um in the back of your head first of all for your own self-confidence um for your own you know self-worth i'm not saying base your self-worth on you know the most attractive woman you can sleep with right but a lot of dudes put women on pedestal okay and they're looking in the magazine or jerking off to them online and they they visualize in their head that oh my god if i was just with her i would be happy and wow it'd be so cool and and dudes get plagued by that their whole life and then when they have a partner they don't appreciate her because they don't think that oh wow this emotional connection we have and you know this this feeling and she's so nice and you know we just vibe but oh my god this instagram girl has a nice ass oh wow like it would be so different with her and and then they resent their partner because they view this pasture, this grass is always greener. 
on the other side and they don't realize that especially when it comes to outside beauty every girl you see there is a dude that is sick of fucking her because there obviously is so much more to a healthy beautiful relationship than physical appearance that goes quick that goes so fast and a lot of dudes that don't get these type of experiences they never realize that that's why they never appreciate what they have so yeah um the whole the whole model thing is fascinating it was one of the most eye-opening um experiences i've had dealing with that and it made me definitely not want it <laughs> and appreciate more the healthy relationships I, I have in my life i really do feel bad for a lot of people in the the fashion model industry i think it's just uh it's sad it's really really sick but okay kind of going back into this this womanizing so I'm so happy I've done it, okay? I've literally tasted every rainbow I could ever taste. Not the LGBTQT one, but I've tasted every Skittle in the, the world. I've had the most wild experiences, the most passionate times. And uh, what I've really learned from it is this. And I was thinking about this the other day, is Casanova... Um, I was saying if he lived in our time right now, the dude would have been like in Nirvana, like the amount of possibilities, experiences, opportunities with uh, obviously the dating apps, the traveling, the cell phone, um, uh, English international, like it's just it, it makes it for like a top dude in this world. And yes, I'm saying, you know, I'm a top dude is the abundance is insane but here's the problem like it's gotten to be a funnel right where the top dudes are getting everything right and the dudes below that are getting nothing or they're getting scraps it's become like 80 20 magnified to the extreme and i've talked about this a lot in the instagram stories like this is why i think the incel thing is getting so popular um men going their other way men people not getting married young men checking out of society saying like screw it like you know because i think for the most part of history before we were you know 17 women for every man that was a study done like the cavemen or whatnot were we're doing that even like the last couple thousand years we can all trace our ancestry to i think like every european can uh can uh trace their ancestry to charlemagne which is freaking bananas but, you know, the church got involved and I think the church kind of like set these perimeters up that basically made it so, you know, for the most part, the dudes that are not at, at the top type level have to have a partner, right? So they're placated. Um, they had their sexual needs met. They have a partner. You need feminine energy. As a man, you need it. Like, I love women so much. Like, the, the amount of... Uh, comfort they give you the the feelings around um the experiences like just that like beautiful feminine energy it it helps you like be happy like if you have beautiful women in your life on the inside and the outside it just makes you more you know stress-free you're not all built up and it's just a good vibe so i think the church got involved and basically made it so you know every dude can feel that so they don't go crazy because i think when a dude doesn't feel that first of all they check out of society they stop being productive members stop paying taxes stop uh you know caring really and when that happens things get wild right i i believe personally you know they've said it a lot of the school shooters in the usa have said it like no woman wants me and you know fuck it all and you know not all of them there's a lot of mental illness going on and just some crazy people but you know there's big movements because i've been in the deep dark webs of the internet and you know seeing what these guys talk about and hear about it and i get people that come to me that that look fine on the outside that are struggling very very deeply and all they would ever would need is you know just a girl and i would be so happy if that's false first of all i definitely think it's a wonderful supplement to your life but if you can't find that happiness on your own very like buddhist of me then it's not going to work for both of you and she's not going to be the end all cure all but the supplementation just like you are to her life is very important i I agree with that 
but yeah, I think the church got involved. So everyone, you know, had, had a partner and obviously the church's influence has totally deteriorated. Then you got Pandora's box, which is the thing that you're probably listening on right now. The cell phone, uh, the internet that has made, uh, the global market, uh, insane. It really has. And kind of going back to what I was first saying is I'm so grateful I've done all these different things is because you get to see like true reality okay i i think uh, i forgot who said this but it's kind of like the secret society and not some illuminati stuff but like the one percent of people that like peek behind the mask of you know what the true human nature is and not what our little communities and countries and states and cities and societies uh, put on for show but you get to see like the deepest desires, like the craziness, the the extreme passion, like what is like for people behind closed doors. And of course, this is what I felt doing the womanizing and traveling. Because obviously when you're doing this, there's you for sure lack judgment because, you know, no one knows you're here. Um, if you don't want to make relationships, then no one's going to remember you basically. And then uh, the local who is also like, okay, this person's going to leave, this and that, so I can be free, like, no one's going to know, judge me. And I think when you have that experience, especially with the opposite, like, sex and the things you learn, the things you see, it's just so eye-opening to how you operate in, in everyday life, as in, you know, not taking things too serious at all. Um, kind of figuring things out on your own and not being trapped by societal program societal programming cultural programming uh the religions the governments um everything kind of becomes a a show like on a, on a stage and you see people put their masks back on when they go out on the stage but you know behind the closed doors you get to see them for who they are and it just it really makes you more free i think that's what it comes down to is because you're really not trapped by um, other people's perceptions because you know it's bullshit. You know, you know what they're trying to perceive to the world is not necessarily what's really happening, right? So you kind of like glide through life far more easier because you know one, yeah, you're crazy, you're crazy, everyone is crazy. You know, let's stop putting a front on, like, you know, and uh, that is something that the biggest lesson I've learned from the topic of womanizing is counterintuitiveness everything that i thought was real i think it's flipped on its head i'm serious like that is the the little micro example of uh sexual relationships with with uh the opposite sex it translates into the macro of society as a whole and i hope my point is like coming across clear if it's not please message me and i'll try to clarify it more but living this lifestyle outside of a traditional, normal way of life, outside of having to wear a mask every day to your job, to your, around your neighbors, to, you know, in your same country, it uh, kind of just really, it's outside the matrix, okay? Now that's gotten super popular from Mr. Andrew Tate, who just got arrested. I guess he's going to get detained for 30 days and... You know, who knows what, what goes on here. But everyone says, oh, in Romania, you know, they won't do it unless they really have something on them. And I've said it many times. First of all, we were in contact with Andrew Tate two years ago, way before he blew up. Very cordial to us. Um, I've never been into idol worshiping because we are all human. Um, I have never bought anything from him because, of course, he's profiting off uh, all of this. And which, which is fascinating to me is this, okay? is of course he made a lot of his uh, first money off the webcam business. And that is something that is going on with him getting arrested, which basically he was profiting on the lost man, whether it was uh, the young man, but most mostly it was the dude in a relationship that didn't like their partner anymore. He tells stories about this all the time. So they get on late at night and talk to some Eastern European girl, get that dude to give her all the money because all this dude wanted was like, his wife wasn't fulfilling him emotionally, sexually anymore, and he felt like he didn't uh, um, 
you know, be with such a girl before in the past. This goes back to my point about, you know, the womanizing. So these people, they're in a good relationship that a lot of people would want or from the outside, it looks like a good relationship. And they're miserable because in the back of their head, they think this girl in Eastern Europe would make him happy. But he has no idea because he's never experienced it, right? Maybe he settled down early. He was told, oh, you need to do this and build your family and do this. And, you know, now the bedroom is dead. And now he, every little thing his wife does, he he hates. And the wife doesn't want to fuck him because she's disgusted with him. He got fat. And, yeah, it goes back to my other point. See, I'm, I'm wrapping this all up pretty good, right? But basically, Tate was making money off all these dudes, these lonely, lost men that went the normal route and they're miserable they're depressed and now he's making he was at least making all his money off men that are lost now there are a lot of them are young impressionable uh to buy his courses so he literally made it on both ends uh <laughs> the webcam business these lonely people and i think he probably still runs only fans and whatnot and he's making it now on like the motivational positive side like oh i'm here for you i got your back listening to me isn't that crazy before he was profiting off the madness and now in a negative way and now somewhat positively he's profiting off of it right freaking crazy so i've always said that like first of all i'm not gonna buy into him as like some freaking god and you know you know like a lot of these young kids especially are doing which i definitely think will have an effect i definitely think it has to do with the pendulum swinging we've been so far matriarchal and feminist that uh young men and dudes are like this doesn't necessarily feel right like i don't feel like i you know i should be doing all this weird stuff and you know being a pussy because again that usually backfires in them and they wonder well what's wrong and what why did that happen well then tate comes in with answers that are not like anything they've heard and they're like wow maybe that's right maybe that does make sense and the crazy thing about andrew tate is he's basically doing evo psychology and he's just making it extremely amplified hyperbolic to get attention evolutionary psychology there's many books written about what he's talking about and he just takes these points and <laughs> blows them up to get clicks and he did all this marketing campaign with the um the multi-level marketing so people would take his content and if they get sign ups they get paid right but uh the point is a lot of what tate says it's evolutionary psychology and this is like a field that is kind of like fringe but a lot of people like um the evolution of uh, desire by david buss fascinating book uh sperm wars i forgot the author of course like the rational male by rollo tomasi a lot of this stuff was like written about before and there's a lot to it okay if you read any of these books that have a lot of scientific data backing it up it it hurts and it goes against like the fairy tale of course growing up and you know what you've heard and um you know just things that don't work sadly and that's the same thing like uh with the womanizing you realize everything is counterintuitive what you were told or what you thought was working with the opposite sex is the exact <laughs> opposite and if you want to get into details um let me know but uh, they're too extreme and shocking like i've gone through many times where i'm just like oh my god like you just feel like this is weird this doesn't you know feel right <laughs> but um yeah again um i think that's why tape blew up too is because dudes were looking for answers that they haven't heard before and when they got these answers and maybe they put them into practice and they realized like wow you know some of this stuff maybe not bs um yeah i forgot where i was going at the andrew tate point but uh i i don't i'm not retired from womanizing um i think we are going into an age of uh way different relationships than the past the the internet has opened up the floodgates i personally know who i am um i know what my biology says and again like you know i'm in a buddhist country and you're supposed to transcend that like your your lizard brain and your your dna and i'm a big meditator and and so forth but i i want to live this life to the fullest i don't want to hurt people okay it's not my intention it really isn't and anytime i do i do feel yuck about it um but uh i want to live this life to the fullest 
I don't want to be told what I need to do. I don't want to be uh, under the the strings of the, the culture I'm in or, or what the TV tells me to do. I definitely think this next year, um, I want to do it in a better way. I think I've driven the car as fast as it goes. I'm glad I did. You don't know how fast you can drive until you crash. <laughs> I haven't crashed yet. Knock on wood. But um, I just need to definitely figure out how to make it run smoother and not uh, as chaotic and uh, as wild. But I, I thrive in that. I thrive in the chaos. I thrive in being uncomfortable, right? I don't like comfort. I really don't. Like That's when I feel the most disgusting the saddest, the depressed is when I have everything I need. <laughs> I don't feel good at all. It's hard for me to relax like that. So I'm not retiring, but I definitely, if you're listening to this, I hope you take the theme of this whole thing as, you know, living bold. That's the same message. Take this new year do shit that you said you wanted to do, throw yourself out there, get bit, get punched, feel the bruises, because I know that is, for me personally, and I think a lot of you, is what you need to be fulfilled, what you need to have that heart racing, have that feeling of, you know, being alive, like the skydiving in Arizona. That's the dragon I chase, I chase that feeling. Of course, you can do it in a, a healthy way. I'm not telling you to go bananas, but you know, keep stepping out that comfort zone. Keep feeling that feeling. Live bold, okay? Thanks for listening. I'm gonna get back on these weekly podcasts, but again, go to that vlog because I'm going hard on that. And it's the same, similar messages. I appreciate you sticking with me these last couple years especially the last one with how kind of more intense the content has gotten but it's gonna be another great year this train ain't stopping trust me to think i did all that and may i say not in a shy way oh no oh no not me i did it For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, it was mine.